Hey there, and welcome back to Take One, the podcast that brings you just one studious page of Talmud every day. And in today's pages of Talmud, we hear a warning, a faint echo of a time long gone. Have a listen. Rabbi Chia Bar Abba said that Rabbi Yochanan said, anyone who prevents his student from serving him, it is as if he withheld from him kindness, as it is stated, to him that is ready to faint from his friend, kindness is due. Rabbi Yochanan interprets this to mean that one who prevents another from performing acts in his behalf prevents him from performing the mitzvah of kindness. This is so incredible to think that once upon a time, there was a reality in which students were perceived as being differential to teachers. And in fact, teachers who felt uncomfortable in letting their students serve them, and the Talmud does mean serve them, were considered mean, were considered unkind. As someone who has dabbled a little bit in teaching himself, this strikes me as sadly a reality long gone. But I wanted to confirm my suspicions and speak of the implications of this sea change with my dear colleague and the recently retired professor, but still very much the Corduroy of Starav, Rabenu Mark Oppenheimer. Welcome back to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Now that I um, have retired from teaching, I have much more time to recline in my all-corduroy romper. Now, you taught for some days now. Yeah, that's right. I'm in my corduroy romper, smoking my pumpkin-scented calabash. And that allows me to meditate on this question of what is the proper relationship between students and teachers and how deferential ought a student be and how deferential should a teacher let a student be? That is terrific. Let me set the scene. Uh, You have recently retired after 3,900 years, I believe, at Yale? More or less. Something like that. 16 years? 16 years of teaching English at Yale. And I would say both because of the demands of your job and also because of the inclinations of your beautiful soul, you weren't just someone who, you know, dropped by, said a few words, and then left. You were someone who was very deeply involved in helping your students sort of figure things out. Describe to me kindly the contemporary relationship and expectations between student and professor. Does the old Talmudic adage of a student must absolutely serve the teacher uh, still apply? You know, I think the question of authority and hierarchy between teacher and student is a really, really fraught thing. I am actually someone who in one sense believes that you don't want the trappings of hierarchy. I don't really care if students call me Dr. Oppenheimer or Mr. Oppenheimer or Professor Oppenheimer. I always said Mark was fine, and if they wanted to use some sort of honorific, I liked Mr. because it's perfectly democratic. It's the American uh, you know, <laughs> male salutation. It doesn't imply that you have any fancy titles. It doesn't imply that you are landed gentry. It can apply to all of us over a certain age, right? So if you had to use it, Mr., but otherwise just call me Mark. So in a sense, I was seen as radically democratic. I was also someone who would change diapers of my infants in front of my students. I would make my students walk my dog. I wouldn't make them, but you know, I didn't have high boundaries. I, my life was pretty open to them up to a point, of course, up, you know, within the bounds of appropriateness. Interestingly, I think that there was something that that surface democracy and egalitarianism allowed for a deeper kind of hierarchicalism, which was that because I wasn't standing on sort of false ceremony and creating this hierarchy by saying, oh, you must call me hero, doctor, professor, whatever, I think students actually, if it went well, 
related to me more for what I could give them and what they could give me. And what they could give me was their enthusiasm and sometimes insights that I hadn't had. But what I could give them was that I'd been doing this stuff, reading and writing for many more years, and I knew a lot that they didn't know. In other words, by removing all these, quote unquote, artificial barriers of honorifics, titles, hierarchies, you basically forced them to think of the relationship on its own merits, which is like, hey, this guy could actually teach me a lot. Exactly. That's exactly right. Which, by the way, I sometimes felt about grading. I, I, I once had the realization that in an entirely great inflated world where almost all students in the humanities are getting A's or at the worst, a B plus, it kind of takes grading off the table. And if they really want to impress me because the grades go from B plus to A, and so nobody's like, you, nobody's standing out because of their grades, everyone's getting good grades. To really stand out, you have to actually come to class with heart and soul and say interesting things and work extra hard, that it, that it throws everything back on the authenticity of the relationship. You know, which to me, of course, one of my, one of my colleagues, Andrew Ergood, once said, you know, it takes a serious person to have levity. Right. Because if you're a serious person, you can afford to be funny or silly because the seriousness is assumed. You know, you came with knowledge and game respects game and they came with intent. The student came with the intention to learn. You came with the intention to teach. If you spend 10 minutes telling silly jokes or laughing about something, that doesn't actually ruin the seriousness of it. It reinforces it because it's two people having the truly authentic encounter. So my feeling about the teacher-student relationship is that in a good teacher-student relationship, there is some sort of hierarchy, which is there's a respect for the person who knows the subject better and has more to offer on the subject. But that beyond that, can each of them bring to the room an honest accounting of how their weekend was? Can each of them say, I lost someone close to me or I had a health reversal or whatever? Absolutely. That democracy is actually creates the authenticity for real respect for the difference in learning, if that makes sense. It makes perfect sense. But let me take the Talmudic tack of strongly disagreeing. Matki flies, as the Talmud would say. Uh, I come from a very similar school of thought. Uh, that is precisely how I ventured to manage my own affairs back when I still taught in university. And yet often I stopped and kind of pondered why it was that the system seemed so broken all around me. And then one realization was because actually the thing that you said and that you do so well it's actually kind of hard to ask everyone to do it across the board. It's deeply dependent on your personality. My question is, are we not better off? And remember, the Talmud is here to come up with categorical answers, right. uh, categorical answers for everyone. Are we not better off to say, no, we have to reinstate this strictness, this distance, this serving the professors, because else it just becomes a gross business in which students are consumers and professors are seen as serving them. Right. So should we go back to having students, you know, pick up their professor's dry cleaning and wash their feet and things like that? And call them her doctor, professor. Doctor, whatever. I mean, I think that especially for younger professors or for less confident professors, that's a useful scaffolding to build, that that kind of hierarchicalism is very important. So for me, for example, it was much more important going back to the, the page of the day, right, the Talmud. It was much more important when I was 30 and beginning to teach 20-year-olds that my evaluations be good, that they pay me a certain amount of kavod, respect, honor in saying that I had done good work. And similarly, I think I was probably much more deferential in a kind of formal, in an almost prissy way to my students. And I think that that was necessary probably when I barely looked any older 
than they did. And I appreciate that some teachers who feel they come to a given classroom without the built-in respect that a 48-year-old male assumes in this society that sometimes they need or want the scaffolding of use the honorific, call me doctor, call me professor. Uh, That makes a certain amount of sense. For me, however, it was something that as soon as I could slough it off, I did. And I would point out that I think that's probably true of the rabbis whom we're reading in the Talmud as well, right? That they probably didn't dress very differently from their students. They weren't fancy. They, of course, had, as we know, had occupations, had day jobs. Um, They were often coming in, you know, sweaty from having done their carpentry or their black booting or whatever. And what really made them stand apart was everyone in the room knew that they actually knew their stuff. Like at the end of the day, it should be about do you know your stuff? Amen to that. Her doctor, Professor Rabenu Mark Oppenheimer, thank you so much for being our guest. (laughs) Rav Shlita Hagadol. This has been Take One. If you enjoy the show, and I hope you do, please go and rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. Each week, we will be releasing new episodes Monday through Friday, covering the entire weekly portion of Dafyomi. Take One is a Tablet Studios production. The show is hosted by me, Leah Leibowitz, and is produced and edited by Daron Rusquet and Quinn Waller. Our team also includes Stephanie Butnick, Josh Cross, Mark Oppenheimer, Sarah Fredman-Ader, Robert Scaramuccia, and Tanya Singer. For more information, go to tabletmag.com slash takeone or email us at takeone at tabletmag.com. You can find us on Twitter at takeone.fiomi or join our Facebook group by searching for Take One Podcast. I hope we have made your day a little more Talmudic, and we will see you again soon.